0: Hey, Ultrasound's listeners, would you like a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card? Fill out our feedback survey. More info at the end of this episode.
1: welcome to Ultrasounds, a podcast of OBGYN delivered, where we put in the labor so you can deliver.
0: We got a specific type of podcast episode today. It's not a clinical content review like most of our episodes thus far have been. We're going to be chatting about the OBGYN residency and match cycle. We're lucky to have one of the leaders shaping the way that OBGYN is doing the match process. And it's one of the professors here at Michigan Medicine.
1: Dr. Maya Hamoud is perhaps the most influential person leading the change in the OBGYN residency and match cycle. She is a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Michigan. Michigan Medical School and is also the Chief of Women's Health Division and Associate Chair for Education. Dr. Hamoud completed her MD, MBA, and residency training at the University of Michigan. She has also held many national and institutional leadership roles in her career and has been teaching for over 20 years and has received numerous teaching and leadership awards. She is the past president for the Association of Professors in gyne- of Gynecology and Obstetrics, or APCO, and a member of the National Board of Medical Examiners Board of Directors. Currently, Dr. Hamoud is also the principal investigator on a $1.75 million reimagining residency grant from the AMA on transforming the undergraduate medical education to graduate medical education transition. And Dr. Hamoud is also my uh, branch mentor through the medical school. So it's a particular treat to have her here with us today. So thank you for being with us, Dr. Hamoud.
2: Thank you so much uh, for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And thanks for all the work that you've been doing with the podcast.
0: Before we get started we love to ask um everyone who comes
2: on our podcast do you have a favorite podcast that you like to listen to this is such a very hard question all your ultrasound podcasts are my favorite podcast
0: <laughs> we appreciate it yeah um so let's go ahead and get started we do want to caveat that this episode is being recorded in june of 2022 and is up to date with the current guidelines. So Dr. Hamoud, what first made you interested in med-ed and more specifically in the
2: MATCH process? Um, I've been interested in medical education since I was a resident, actually, a very long time ago. And um, I was really fascinated by the relationship of the teachers with the students and the residents. Uh, so I started being involved in medical education and I first became clerkship director, actually only two years out of my residency. And the interest in the MATCH process has been because over the years I've been advising students uh, who wanna enter uh, the MATCH, who wanna go into OBGYN. And I've noticed significant changes in the last few years in terms of how uh, anxious students are getting in terms of number of applications uh, that they submit and in terms of the competitiveness of the match and specifically OBGYN. um, So as I noticed that my advice is changing and some of the information that we need is becoming um, less clear to um, the applicants, I decided that um, this is really an interest area for me because I really would like to help our students and applicants in really preparing them for this process that has become very anxiety provoking.
1: It's so surprising to hear that you developed an interest so early on in your career while you were a resident yourself. So you really are giving back to other residents. Um, now, before we delve into all the changes that OBGYN has pioneered, it seems like much of the changes that we're seeing in the OBGYN match are thanks to your work with APCO's Right Resident, Right Program, Ready Day One program. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the R program and its efforts?
2: Yeah, thank you uh, for asking this question. Uh, You know, I personally became interested in this, like I said, several years ago uh, when I noticed the changes in the match. And then um, we uh, at our national meetings, I noticed that we are discussing these challenges a lot more frequently. Uh, So we got together with a group of people and we said, well, what can can we do together uh, to help each other out and to help uh, students nationally and to help our program directors as well? Um, so when the opportunity came to apply for grant funding through the AMA, uh, we put a really actually large group together uh, from across UME and GME. So we put a group from APCO as well as from CRIAG, the Council of Resident Education of and Gynecology. Uh, we got a group of leaders together and we put a proposal to get funding um, to help us with redesigning. Uh, how we do this application process and there are two major goals to our grant work one arm is actually looking at the process itself in terms of the application and the interview processes uh, which is and how to actually make sure that the right resident matches at the right program and the second part is the readiness for residency which we do know that um students get really anxious before starting residency and they want to make sure that they're prepared. Uh, so we have a whole arm about, uh, how do you actually prepare once you match? How do we make you sure, how do we make sure that you feel welcome to the residency program and that you are ready with, um, to start on day one? Uh, and that work obviously is, um, many years of work. Uh, it's over a five-year process. We are in our third year right now. And, um, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about some other changes that have occurred, but that's in a nutshell uh, what that grant work is.
0: Thanks for walking us through that. Um, I think you started to go through this, but can you um, talk us through how um, OBGen is paving the way for a more equitable and student-focused match process?
2: Uh, so, as you probably know, um, when you know the number of applications have been going up, students are applying to a lot of places in this last year, the average origin applicant applied to 72 places. I think when I applied, I applied to less than 10 places. I know that was a long time ago, but we've seen the number of applications creep up because I think the students are anxious about whether they're going to match or not. And then when there's more applications, uh, there's a little bit of um, what I call a little bit chaos in the process where students are applying everywhere. Program directors really do not know, are you truly interested in coming to my program? and how they are selecting who to interview has become very metrics focused. So because they get a lot of applications, it's much easier for them to just screen through academic metrics, for example, the USMLE score. And as you might imagine, a lot of the assessments and the academic metrics have bias ingrained in them. So when you choose based on that, you probably lose out on some great applicants who will make great OBGYN doctors, but it's hard to actually go through every single application and give it a holistic uh, review approach. So what we're hoping to accomplish is uh, to try to reduce um, that um, the number of applications, hopefully, eventually, and we can talk a little bit more about what we're doing for that. But more importantly, also, what we noticed is that programs have been uh, offering interviews to applicants when they didn't actually have spots for the interviews. So applicants would literally be on their phones 24-7, don't even want to like go and scrub an operating room or even like do personal stuff, like taking a shower because they're worried, am I going to miss that interview offer? So one of the very first things that we did is we actually made a common date where the interview offers occur. So applicants know on that specific date, this is when the interview offers are going to be handed out by programs. And we also give them two days to 48 hours to actually respond to that offer so they don't have to be hooked to their phones 24-7, and also that no program will offer interviews if they didn't have spots available. I think that made a huge difference in reducing the anxiety for applicants uh, because they have the time to actually process what interview offers they're getting and which ones they want to do and which ones they want to pursue. Uh, So we've done that now for three years, and this is our fourth year doing this. And we're very happy to say that we noticed that other specialties are also following suit because we found that that our applicants really like that because it is predictable and more transparent. The other part that we're trying to work on is actually help applicants on what programs to apply to. So we have asked our program directors to actually uh, kind of think through what is their mission, what kind of things are looking for in applicants. And this year we are piloting with AMA FRIDA database on uh, something called the alignment check index. This is completely for the applicants. The programs don't see it at all. And where the applicant actually um, goes and and does a self-assessment and it actually tells them which programs they align with the most. So this way, if a program, for example puts a lot of emphasis on academic metrics, then it will probably, if a student is not very strong academically, it's probably not going to list them on top of their list. But if a program puts more emphasis, for example, on research, and that student has done a lot of research, but they don't give a lot of importance on academic metrics, and that student is not very strong academically, those programs will show up to the top. And we feel like this will help guide students uh, to what programs uh, are most likely to look at them. And again, the member program directors don't see that. This is completely for student self-assessment. And we hope this is one more tool to help students or applicants more focus their applications on where they want to apply in addition to all the tools that already exist that they can also use. Um, the other thing that we uh, piloted last year and we're going to um, make it for all programs this year is the standardized letter of evaluation because clearly uh, different schools have different criteria for what constitutes honors or high pass or pass or A plus or whatever it is. And also the dean's ladder vary quite a bit. School Also how students are ranked or not ranked. So the standardized letter of evaluation is using one more way of providing more equity amongst student applications. So program directors can actually compare the same type of ladder across multiple applicants. So we're hoping in that way, that we are becoming more student focused and that we are trying to, to create more equitable process. The last part, which, um, which also we're introducing this year is the program signaling where applicants are able to indicate which programs uh, they are mostly interested in. And we're very excited that we have two levels of signals, a gold signal and a silver signal. Uh, the gold signal, which is three signals that applicants can actually tell programs are mostly interested, their highest priority is similar to what other specialties have done, which specialties have um, provided anywhere between two to five signals to applicants. So that's very similar, but we also created an additional 15 more signals because we feel that will give the opportunity to applicants to actually reach out to more programs. And our uh, research has shown that applicants or faculty on behalf of applicants have reached out to programs in very different ways. And there were applicants that more advantage that reaching out so definitely creating inequities in the process so we're hoping through that formal program signaling mechanism that all applicants will have equitable foot into reaching out to programs so we're really excited that this is coming this upcoming cycle
1: Uh, two things one thank you for such a comprehensive answer um and two I mean, your answer had to be so comprehensive because you're doing so much to to advance this space. And I mean, as Brittany and I look forward to applying to the match in the upcoming years, we are so grateful. And we see our other peers who have to apply into other specialties who still have to deal with the anxiety of, you know, for months while they're waiting for interview invites, you know, having to forward it to their pagers, or like you said, having to like, if you're driving, like pulling off onto the shoulder of the highway, there's a great deal less anxiety for us. So, so truly thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I would love to dive into the specifics. Um, So you mentioned the standardized letter of evaluation. Um, Who do you recommend writes that standardized letter of evaluation? And what are your recommendations for the other types of recommendation letters that we should obtain for the match?
2: So I would say the best person to write the standardized letter would be someone who worked with you closely and is able to comment on your competencies, you know, medical knowledge, skills, Um, and professionalism. It's the letter of evaluation competencies align with the ACGME competencies. So really a person who knows you the best and who have directly observed you. Now we do know that this is not uh, always possible for all applicants. So there are also other ways that the standardized letter of evaluation could be filled out, such as a group evaluation. So if a student worked on a service with multiple people, that a, one person can fill it out on behalf of all the others after collecting that input. We really try to be very flexible on who fills it out. But the bottom line is that person or the group of individuals who get to know you the best should be filling out that evaluation. And in terms of the other letters, again, it should be people who get to know you um, the best, who actually write out the, the other letters. Many programs actually require a chair's letter. So we usually say have three OBGYN letter, one non-OBGYN, and then the three OBGYN letters, one of them is going to be a standardized letter of evaluation, one is going to be a chair's letter. Now, in some places, the chair is actually um, opting to do the standardized letter evaluation, and that's fine. It could either be that or it could be a separate letter. And then another letter from another faculty member in OBGYN who gets to know you well. The non-OBGYN letter, it doesn't really matter who you get it from. Again, I always say it's a person who knows you the best and who's able to write a strong letter for you. So if you had not so great experience on something and you feel like your evaluations were not that great that might not be the best place to get the letter. You really want to get the letter from someone who got to know you and who really can speak to your strength. Thank you. That's really helpful. Um, So in terms of interview
0: invites, and I know we talked about it being one day to alleviate stress, even though all the interview spots are going on on one date, are applicants still competing for interview spots
2: on given dates? Great question, because... Um, We noticed that even though we give applicants uh, two days to reply, most of them reply in the first 10 to 15 minutes. And we think the reason they do that is because they are actually looking at how do they make sure they get the dates that they need. Now, remember that each program have uh, very different interview dates. Even though the the interviews are offered on one date, uh, each program has multiple dates. And it is true that sometimes dates could overlap if somebody really wants to interview at two specific dates. <clears throat> we have not heard that to be a big problem. And also, we do know that some programs try to be accommodating to students uh, as much as they can. Uh, There's probably a limit on how much it could be accommodating in changing the dates because, because the number of interviews that applicants end up doing is not huge. So most applicants are able to work out those dates in a way that works well for them. So it's not been a big problem in general.
1: Again, you touched on signals and and like the different color tokens, which I think is such a neat idea Um, and definitely taking a step further than what other specialties have going on. Um, How do programs perceive signals from an applicant?
2: Um, That's also another great question, because we have actually heard that there's some anxiety around, oh, my gosh, where do I put my gold signal? Where do I put my silver signal? Um, This is really stressful. The easiest way to think about it is that the three signals is like all other specialties have been doing. So all the applicants are on the same boat in terms of putting those three. Now, I do think that it is actually totally advantageous to the applicant that they have 15 more signals. We will be looking at how programs look at those signals. My guess is the program director is probably not going to look very differently at silver versus gold. So I would not stress too much as an applicant where I put it, because three really is not enough for programs to say, oh, I'm only going to view those who gave me a gold signal. That's probably not going to happen. Um, So I I do think that um, it is important to think about where you put your signals and to put them on programs that you think you have the best chance of getting interview because you don't want to waste your three most precious signals on programs that are never going to look at you. and this is why we provided the additional tools to help applicants narrow down or where they want where they should be placing those signals. People have done this in the past, applicants have done this in the past. you know try to narrow down where are the programs that you're mostly interested in and that's where you want to put your signals use all the tools, the online tools that are available, but also really, really important to talk to your advisors. And I always tell uh, students, talk to as many people as you can. Don't take one person's opinion because one person's opinion is one person's opinion. Uh, so it is good to get all input from a lot of different people. And then make your own decision about what's most important to you about where you want to put your signals.
0: We have touched on um, a lot of changes that have been happening in the past few years and changes happening with the 2023 match. Are there any other changes that we haven't touched on for the coming 2023 match and any benefit or harm that you think there is for um,
2: applicants? The virtual interviews, we didn't talk about that. We did say that we would like our programs to all do virtual interviews for all applicants. We do have a a list on our website, on the RR website, to show you what programs, their guidelines they are following. There are very few programs who are not doing virtual interviews, so you can also see which ones those are.
1: I know that we just talked about all the changes that are coming up for this upcoming cycle. What big changes do you anticipate that we we might see in the next few years in the OBGY match process or maybe even in other specialties?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that, that uh, we did not talk about because it's not coming up this next year, but it is something that we continue to pursue in the OBGYN specialty is what we call the early result acceptance program, which is like a uh, early decision for college. As you know, that if a student knows which college they want to go to, they can do an early, uh, they could do an application for early decision, early app, early action. We are pursuing uh, to see if there's a possibility to do that in the match as well, because we do know some applicants have very strong interest in a particular program or being in a particular geographic area. We're hoping that if we're able to provide some sort of a way where applicants can apply to maybe just three programs, and this is where the three signals will help us actually see do applicants really know where are the three pro- top programs for them and what is the likelihood of matching there, is that they would only apply to those kind of a two stage match. So in the first stage, the people who know where they want to go, they apply, they match, they're done. And then the people who don't know, then they're left, then then they do the second stage match. There are a lot of um, details and a lot of um, things that have to be thought about in order to implement something like this. But this is something we continue to pursue uh, with the goal of reducing the total number of applications, depending on what happens this year with when we do the signaling. If that solves the problem, then that's great. If it doesn't, we will continue to pursue uh, and see how, you know, how else we could uh, do that. We hope that we will eventually reach a goal of uh, reducing the number of applications and giving each applicant the opportunity to be at the best program that they can.
1: Dr. Hamoud, I know that virtual interviews are something that a lot of students like Brittany and myself really prefer because you don't have to pay for flight tickets, you don't have to pay for hotels, and it's just so much easier just to tune into an interview from, from the comfort of your home office. But one thing that does kind of fall away with virtual interviews is really being able to get a feel for the pulse of what a residency program is going to be like or what the hospital is like. Is there any way that the OBGYN match process is looking at trying to circumvent that issue?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. It's really important question, and, and you're definitely right. It's not just you and Brittany who are thinking that I like the virtual interviews better. We have actually asked applicants, and it clearly came the majority of applicants prefer virtual interviews uh, because of all the costs that's associated with that. And, and actually, this is one of the reasons why we decided to recommend virtual interviews for all applicants. But we also do understand that there's a really major piece of... I want to go check out the program, check out, you know, um, uh, where, I'm, where I might end up spending the next four years of my life. And what we are doing, we're actually working on a process where we provide those in opportunities for in-person visits without applicants feeling that they have to go visit every single place they interviewed at. So, for example, if someone had, was raised in Chicago and they've been around Northwestern, all this, and they interviewed at Northwestern, and they might not need to go there and visit, but also they are very interested in it, but they don't wanna spend the effort to go there or the time and the money because there's no additional value for that visit. What we're trying to do is we're trying to come up with um, guidelines for all our programs where they provide those in-person opportunities as open house, and they don't keep track of which student came to visit, but still give you the opportunity to come and visit. And we're hoping to come up with a really good process uh, and I would imagine probably each applicant after they're done with their interviews, they might say, well, there are two or three places I really would like to learn more about. And uh, we're hoping that programs will submit their rank, rank order list before those open houses occur and that program directors are tracking who's coming and who's not coming. Uh, so this way the applicants can gain that information about the program without it really affecting where they might end up being on a rank order list. Because we know that lack of visit does not equal lack of interest and that really visit just to gain additional information from particular programs.
0: If uh, students are interested in med ed or helping
2: in your work to make the match
0: process more equitable and less stressful, what can they do to help? If
2: uh, we are always looking for people to help, we'd love to have uh, more uh, students, applicants, residents uh, help us because we get our best ideas from you all. Uh, so if anyone is interested in helping, please, please send me an email. My email address is I-M-M-A-Y-A uh, at @umich.edu. i I'm more than happy to hear from you. And, and uh, depending on what the interest area is for the students, uh, we are happy to have them get involved in the work. We still have a lot of work to do. We kind of focus now just on talking about the, um, the, inter- the match interview process. The other part of the grant, which is the readiness for day one, we continue to work on that. We continue to develop uh, tools for the students, resources. We are training coaches at the programs that hopefully we can coach the students along the transition. So there's a lot of exciting work happening there. And we really hope that uh, we get our applicants really prepared to start on the da- day one and be very confident in their Uh, knowledge and skills. So we still need a lot of work in that area. So anyone who is uh, would like to help us with that, we are more than happy to have that help as we also continue to work on the um, on the actual process itself.
1: Yeah, I do have to put in a shout out again to the triple R grant for supporting student initiatives. Um, One of my projects was funded by the DEI mini grants. And so it's been a pleasure to be able to help um, from a diversity, equity and inclusion lens as well to make this process of the transition um, even more equitable. Dr. Moot, what is your biggest piece of advice or one takeaway for applicants who are listening to this episode who are planning on matching into OBGYN?
2: This is a great specialty to apply into. Uh, just put your best self out there and um, be your authentic self in your application and where you apply uh, and, uh, make sure you discuss with your advisors about your application and your competitiveness because it has become more competitive. So to make sure you have a realistic expectations of where you can go and what you can get accomplished. Well,
0: thank you so much, Dr. Hamoud for taking the time, um, to share your wisdom and explain the match process and the changes with us today. Well, thank that- you
2: both. I think you're doing amazing work with all your podcasts, uh, My hat off for you for all the work that you've been doing in this. You've been producing really, really amazing work. So thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing in this area.
0: To our listeners,
2: subscribe to ultrasounds wherever you get your
0: podcasts. For more high yield topic reviews and recent news, you can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at OBGYN underscore delivered or find more topic review outlines and free question banks at our website, www.obgindelivered.com. And as always, remember, we put in the labor so you can deliver. Hey, listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ultrasounds. Would you like the chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card? Fill out our feedback survey linked in the description of this podcast. Participation in this survey is voluntary and responses will be used to better ultrasounds for audience members like you. The survey takes less than five minutes to complete and will invite you to enter into a raffle for a $50 gift card upon your submission. OBGYN delivered appreciates your feedback.